Hello, and welcome to Friends for Life, a podcast of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod's National Mission. We're here to come alongside you as we journey through life under the cross. What does it look like to care for our neighbors in body and soul? How do we tend to our own body and soul? How can we speak up for life? And finally, how do we share the faith with the next generation? Join us as we have these conversations and learn together. We hope you'll stick around and be our friends for life. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm your host, Steph Nugebauer, here with a longtime friend of mine, Rachel Morton. She and I are going to talk about singleness and specifically how single adults fit into our conversation about the family. Rachel, welcome. Would you please introduce yourself? My name is Rachel Morton, and I am a transplanted Texan currently living in West Bend, Wisconsin. I am currently serving at St. John's Lutheran Church in West Bend as Assistant Director of Worship um, with responsibilities also in women's ministry and women's retreat oversight. Um, I love it dearly. Miss my family back in Texas and currently missing the warmer weather that they have down there as well. Let's see. Oldest of nine kids, a proud auntie to two nieces and three nephews whom I love and miss dearly. But yeah, that's kind of me in a nutshell. All right, maybe we should share, too, with our listeners how we know each other. Rachel and I were roommates. I was going to say sweetmeats. We were roommates our freshman year at Concordia, Wisconsin. And so that's how we got to know each other. And it's really, really good to be able to reconnect and to see your face again. Although listeners can't see you, it's just a delight to be able to look at you. So thanks so much (laughs) for being here. I know that you're you're living this, Rachel, and that you've also spent time thinking about this and, and putting it into writing. Singleness. Let's start off with just what do you wish people would know about singleness that they might not, especially if they didn't spend a majority of their adult life single? Um, I think one of the biggest things is that you can't really generalize singleness because people can be single for a lot of different reasons. Some people are very happy to be single and will probably be single till the day they die and they will be perfectly content with that. Some of us are just waiting and praying um, that God would bring the right spouse um, into our lives. And then some people are single for other reasons. They may find themselves widowed or divorced. And so really you just, you can't look at every single person the exact same way because you don't always know why they're single and whether or not they're happy about it. Hmm. In your experience so far, because we're in our 30s, do you feel like the church has handled you as a single person with care? Or are there things that the church around you, not necessarily St. John's, but just the church, Mm -hmm. the big C, could do better about caring for you? I think the church as a whole, the big C church, um, they probably don't do the best job of necessarily recognizing singleness. And I don't know if it's because Um, church, you often find them trying to love and support and care for family units because that is an important thing. It's the next generation that's going to come up behind us and bring up the church. And so sometimes it comes across as single people either get forgotten or maybe they're not forgotten, but not as much time or energy gets poured into that group. I'm very thankful and blessed at St. John's that they've kind of not doubled down on working with singles, but um, after going through Households of Faith through LHM and Barna, that we realize that there are a lot of different aspects to what we would call the household, the family unit of faith, and that single people are important and that we do have a role to play in the church and the edification of of all of its members to include its families. And so 
I'm blessed to be in a place where they treat me with respect and dignity and treat me like I belong and where I have friends that you choose to be your family that invite you in and make you part of their family as well. Mm-hmm. So, You said it'd be helpful if at first foundationally people just wouldn't have the assumption that all people are miserable if they're single or that all people are necessarily (laughs) looking for a spouse or that all people are single because they choose to be, on the other hand. Mm -hmm. What are some other things that you wish people would understand about singleness? Maybe that how we feel about it or think about it can change on a daily basis. Hmm. There's often times that I find myself happy that I'm single because I have time and opportunities that maybe I wouldn't have if I had a husband and kids to consider. So it does afford me a little more freedom and flexibility and just the availability to fill gaps and to fill holes, whether in in work or just in friendships and relationships that are needed. There's some days when I'm very happy and very content to be single. And then there's other days that you pop online and you open Facebook and you see another engagement announcement or someone's wedding photos or a pregnancy announcement and you just start sobbing um, or I would start sobbing because that's something that I want very much and hope for. So singleness is a state, but how we respond to it on a daily basis kind of changes. So what would be your best advice so far for young single people who might not know how they feel about being single right now, just like you said? (laughs) What's your advice? Um, I'd say embrace whatever it is that you are feeling. If you're finding yourself longing for that next phase, continue to be in prayer about it. There's the delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Just pray that God would mold your desires to be his desires. And then just boldly pray that he would give you what is best for you in his time and in his way. But then if you find yourself in a period of time where you're content and happy to be single, Look for ways to use your extra time and energy as a gift to other people. So I'd say just embrace whatever station you're at in the moment. How does the church and how does scripture paint the state of singleness? That is a hard one. Um, And I've spent a lot of time in the last handful of years wrestling with it. There's um, certainly Genesis chapter 2 where God says it's not good for man to be alone. So... He makes Eve to be the helpmate for Adam because it's not good for Adam to be alone. But then it was probably two or three years ago when I was doing a read through the Bible in a year session, I got to 1 Corinthians 7, where Paul tells the unmarried and the widow that it's good for them to remain single. And he kind of wishes everybody could be like him and to be single. And I wrestled a long time with that, just kind of unsure of what it meant for my life and I think as I've put those two passages side by side, that it's not good for man to be alone, but it's also good for them to remain single. That's where the whole idea of just being content and opening yourself up to be used by God Hmm. in whatever situation and stage of life that you are in. So it's not good for man to be alone. God's desire is that you would have a helpmate in life. And that's also for the tending of the earth and for the procreation of children and things like that. But if you're single, it's also a good and a godly thing, and God still has work for you to do within that vocation. So just embrace where he has you right now. Yeah, you hit on the Lutheran buzzword of vocation. And uh, yes, what's your vocation? What's God called you to do? Where's God placed you? Mm-hmm. Who has God placed around you? That's the answer right now in this place, in this time. And so your prayer and advice for others is a beautiful way of 
asking God to use you for his sake and whatever that looks like and whoever God gives you to serve to be content and to delight in Mm -hmm. that is good and a faithful thing to do. Yeah, I think it's foundational that whether you are single, married, widowed, divorced, or anywhere else on that spectrum, that you you view your life through the lens of first and foremost, I'm a child of God. And that's something that doesn't change regardless of what my relationship status is. And so that's what my identity is. My job is my vocation. And that's how I just function with wherever God has placed me. That's being a faithful daughter, a faithful sister, an auntie, a godmother, all of those different things. And those will change with time. But first and foremost, I'm a child of God. No one can take that away from me. Now, how do I function as a child of God wherever he's placed me and do it with joy and contentment most days? (laughs) How do you view your vocation then in light of the generations coming after you, the younger generations, especially within your Mm -hmm. church and, and what your job, your role or your responsibility might be toward them and sharing the faith with them? Well, I had a handful of, we'll call them just the older generations when I was a kid in church that I greatly looked up to. And these were people that were maybe just the generation above me, 10, 15 years older, that were Sunday school teachers who set the example of of faith and a godly life. But these were also people that were my parents' age and my grandparents' age in choir and in worship ministry. And these were people who greatly encouraged me, not only in my walk of faith, but even just in who I was as a person. And so I've always wanted to grow up, I guess, and be that kind of older person in another young person's life. And so whether it's um, some college age kids at our church, um, some of my piano students that are anywhere from about third grade through seventh or eighth grade at this point, the older folks in choir, the people, again, that are my parents' age in different worship ministry groups, it's my job to, to live a godly life and show them what joy and service in the church looks like, that you may get tired, you may not always want to be here, but serving in this place is a good thing. It's good for you. It's good for the church. It's good for those coming up behind you. So I think I just, I want to live a legacy of of joy and service, whether you are a specifically called worker inside of the church or whether you're the volunteer that's showing up to turn over communion for the next service or clean the toilets and vacuum the floors, that there's just joy in service here and everybody has a place here. The Apostle Paul talks about all being members of of one body of Christ and how we each have functions and gifts. And that is Mm -hmm. that we are literally the body of Christ. We take Christ to others within our own body and together Mm -hmm. all of us make up the essential piece that is to share the good news with others and to bring others in into the faith. That's that Romans 12. A lot of people think the passage is that we're all members of the church and members of the body of Christ, but it says members one of another. Like we, we're all needed. I need you and you need me. I don't care how old or how young you are. You're a part of the body of Christ. Now, you and I have just personally talked about how what's really wonderful is that the, the church in recent years especially has placed a lot of emphasis on family ministry and on providing marriage conferences and providing places for small group ministry for young couples or young adults or put a big emphasis on children's ministry or events for the whole family within the church. 
But sometimes, and what we don't realize is that that's also kind of simultaneously sending a message, although not intentionally, that there's not really a place for singles or that singles are pushed to the side. How do you think the church could do maybe a better job of communicating both of those truths that, yeah, we want to uphold God's good design for marriage and the family, that children are gifts from God, but also that singles aren't deficient without Mm-hmm. a spouse. Singles also and equally have a place within God's kingdom and that to be single isn't bad, mm-hmm. but can be good and is a good estate. So yeah, how could the church navigate that better, do you think? That's such a hard question because I think it's hard for the church to do without becoming super programmatic. Like we have to have something for the moms, something for the dads, something for women, something for men, something for youth, something for children, something for the empty nesters, something for this age. And so then at that point, you're just trying to offer something to every demographic in the church. So that gets to be a little bit tricky. How do you do that in a in a good and faithful way without just program after program after program? Like, how are you really ministering to the people? But if you're going to have a women's retreat and a men's retreat and a couple's retreat or something like that, you probably should consider a singles retreat. If you're going to have men's and women's and couples groups, maybe consider a singles group. But that's where I really value the approach in ministry of, yes, it's good for women to be together on their own and and study God's word in a way that women really can relate to or same with, with men. But I love the intergenerational ministries, places where men and women married, single, all spectrums are coming together to work in ministry. So I'm a big fan of like service projects and service days where it doesn't matter how old or young you are. It's just the body of Christ working side by side. So that's my personal (laughs) way of approaching ministry is not singling out men, women, single, married, that kind of idea. And for me, that's it's not a huge desire of my heart that there would be a singles ministry that I could be a part of. But as I said earlier, you can't generalize all singles. So there probably are some singles who really would love and benefit from a ministry designed just for them in their stage of life, whatever their age or reason for being single might be. So again, it's it's different for everybody, I think, which is that question can be a little hard to answer. Sure. But I mean, you answered it from your perspective and what you see benefiting you and giving you both comfort and the feeling of Mm -hmm. I belong here too. Right. I do think that there's a great benefit to the intergenerational approach to ministry and service and life together. Um, Within your own context and within your own church, how have married couples with children brought you in and included you in the life of their family? Um, That's something I love about the people that God has surrounded me with. One thing that can be hard as a single, especially a single like me who's living about a thousand miles away from any immediate family, what do you do over the holidays, Christmas, Easter, Thanksgiving? Especially as a professional church worker where those holidays... Who who works those days. Right. Yeah. You have to be in your location of residence. (laughs) Exactly. Like I, even if, even if I wanted to, I couldn't make it home for every single holiday So there are people in my life who just say, hey, you're our family. We're having dinner at this time and you might be super tired after church. Feel free to go home and change into your ugliest pair of sweatpants and just be comfortable and come over for dinner. Mm. 
or things like that. And at first that can be really awkward because those are family holidays full of family traditions and stuff that you're just this, you're not a random person walking in, but to everybody other than the people who invited you, you kind of are just this random person sitting at the end of the table trying to participate in all of their family traditions or listening to all their family stories and having no clue why what they're talking about is hilarious or or things like that. But I have several different families who've said, come for Christmas dinner, come for Thanksgiving, come for Easter. Um, and they invite me into their homes and even their extended family. They just embrace you and they don't treat you like you're any different from anybody else at the table. So things like that have been really helpful um, in being so far away from family. Even just in some of the day-to-day -day stuff, I have friends that are married that I look up to them as couples and I've told them face to face, you know, I watch you and your husband and how you parent your kids. And I want to do that one day, like just know that what you're doing, I think makes a difference in your children's lives and in mm -hmm. the lives of people who watch you interact as a couple. And I just wanted to encourage you in, in what you're doing that people do notice. Um, well, if someone ever said that to me, that would mean so much to me. <laughs> I mean, truly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, really, you you watch some couples and you're like, OK, um, I don't know that that would be a good thing to try to imitate one day. But then there's just those people that you watch them and you know that there may be conflicts in marriage or or rough patches with kids, but they just approach it and handle it with such grace and forgiveness. that it's like, OK, that's kind of what I want my I want my family to one day be a conglomeration of all these different people that that I've met in my life. And I want to be able to extend the same kind of hospitality to someone that others have extended to me. And I have a, a very close friend up here, Patty. She and I have been good friends since moving here. Um, and she is now married with two little girls. And I love when her youngest will just crawl in my lap and randomly say, Auntie Witch, I'm so glad you're my godmother. I love the way she says godmother. Um, and she loves to rub it in her older sister's face that I'm her godmother, not the other one. And so I Sounds just, like I'm you give good godmother. gifts. I, well, I remember their baptism birthday and she gets a piece of chocolate. So she, um, but just they're, they're a couple and a family that will say, hey, come over for dinner and just spend time reading the girls a bedtime story, going through the bedtime routines, helping put them to bed at night. And then Patty and Matt and I will just sit up and and have tea or coffee or another adult beverage and just talk until my alarm will go off at usually 10 or 11 p.m. that says I need to go home because I've got to get up for work <laughs> the next morning or something like that. But just the family that invites you in and lets you be a part of their family is really important and really special. Hmm. Not only do you benefit from that but they benefit from having mm -hmm. you in their lives and i mean the mm -hmm. en enrichment that comes with relationships like that outside of your just immediate nuclear family especially for those girls to see yeah. another young woman and have them look up to you and you're not their parent but you're someone who's modeling mm -hmm. the love of jesus and in grace and kindness mm -hmm. what you do and how how you're doing it forms them as well. I mean, it's just inevitable. And so mm -hmm. it's not just that they're making you feel better for including you. It's that you're you're bringing your gifts into mm -hmm. their household as well. Right. And that's yeah. huge. That's beautiful. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. That's how we should yeah. be functioning and growing with mm -hmm. each other. 
And chocolate's always good, too. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There are some of my favorite little people in the world. So I was super, super sad the day that, you know, when kids are really little and they're first learning to talk and the words don't always come out the right way. And for a long time, I was Auntie Reeks um, (laughs) and Annie Wache. And now they're able to say Auntie Rach for the most part. And I'm like, oh, I miss the little... (laughs) The little babbles, but they're such important little people in my life. And and it's an honor to to be their auntie and to help reinforce the things that their parents are are teaching them and showing them. But just the importance of letting two little girls grow up and know that they are so, so loved by even more than just their parents. Like, I don't love you because I have to. I love you because I want to. Yeah. So it's fun to be able to be a part of their life in that way. Yeah, that's huge for little people. I mean, it, it mm-hmm. might seem kind of like commonplace for adults, but for little people take notice of that. And yeah. that's really what shapes their character, too. So you have written several articles, um, one being about singleness. Can you tell us a little bit about mm-hmm. that and why you chose to write and title it the way that you did? Definitely. So there were several different um, topics that we were able to choose from to write for this website. It's um, the Luther Women website. Shameless plug. Feel free to go check it out. <laughs> and there were there were a lot of different things that I wanted to write about, but maybe because our church had spent some time talking about singleness and vocation and things like that, I really felt drawn to that topic. So I signed up for it with the only prompt being single. And then in what direction do I want to take that in? Dot, dot, dot. And so I, I exactly. <laughs> um, so I just kind of thought through my own life and spent a lot of time in prayer. What do I think about being single and talking about how, you know, every day it can change. You can love it or you can hate it depending on the day and your circumstances. But the one thing that I wanted people to hear the most is that because you're single doesn't make you invisible. You have just as much value as anybody else in the church. And it's really easy to to feel invisible. And sometimes that invisibility is, is something I would bring on myself because you're trying to hide that you're upset or frustrated about your situation in life. So it could be standing up with your best friend at her wedding when I stood up with Patty at her wedding and just the absolute joy I felt for her and Matt because I know she had been single for a long time herself and and we used to walk every night and pray about the guy that God would bring into our lives and how many kids we'd have and what we would name them and things like that. So I knew that Matt was an answer to a long prayer that Patty had prayed and that I had prayed with her. And so there was just this huge sense of joy standing up in their wedding. And at the same time, I kind of felt like crying because there's this little, the little green monster on the inside that says, when is it going to be my turn? And so you kind of feel invisible in that instance because you don't necessarily want others to know what you're thinking or that you're hurting in that moment. You just want them to know that you're happy and full of a lot of joy for them. So that was an instance of feeling invisible or maybe the first couple times I visited St. John's and it's a very large congregation with a couple hundred people at each of the four worshiping services that I would walk in and sit in a pew by myself. And because there's so many people, they wouldn't always know, one, are you a member? Have you been here for very long? Two, are you waiting for anybody? Like, are you single? Are you coming just without your husband? Do you have kids? Do your kids not come to church? It was easy to feel just a little invisible sitting alone in a pew because people just don't know you yet. I listed several other 
situations or circumstances in the article. But what I wanted women to hear is that just because you're single doesn't mean you're invisible, even though you may sometimes feel like it. And even though you may be hiding some things that just contribute to you feeling invisible, Hmm. if that makes sense. So what would you say the remedy is for feeling invisible at times? And this could, be, mm-hmm. I mean, be across the board, not even for mm-hmm. necessarily single folks, but there's a lot of different things that lead to isolation for, for married people or couples in relationship too. But mm-hmm. in, just in general, what would you say the remedy mm-hmm. for that feeling would be? Because you're not looking for pity, I I don't think. Nope. At least you aren't. I know you. <laughs> and you're also not looking to feel separate from events either. Yes. Well, my original draft of the article that went in was several hundred words longer because <laughs> I was including that you can feel invisible if you are married, but you haven't had children yet and you haven't been able to have children or if you have been married and you've lost marriage. So single and really the feeling of being invisible is is a universal state um, for everybody. And so I think the way to not be invisible is to just be visible, to let people into your life and to let them know. And that doesn't mean you bear every every struggle or every cross to every person that you ever meet. But it's okay to let somebody know that you are simultaneously happy for a friend and also grieving something that you don't have at the same time. It's okay to walk into church and be alone and feel invisible and say, I don't want to be invisible today and go find somebody to sit next to. It might be slightly awkward at first. You might be taking somebody's spot in a pew and you may have to move, but walk in and sit down with somebody because you might not be the only person feeling invisible. Hmm. So the way to not be invisible is to say, here I am (laughs) and this is just me. Well, and our Lord always works with the raw ingredients that is just yes. us showing up. So what you're saying is that's just kind of the step. And to put yourself where yes. God's promises are sure and mm-hmm. uh, your church family, um, your church sanctuary where the word is proclaimed, where you receive the body and blood of our Lord and where you're united with fellow believers at the same time, that's the place to be. I guess uh, our prayer is too that individuals hearing this would take this message back to their own congregations and their own settings and to have eyes open to see people and to embrace people, whatever their state, station, lot is in, in life, that we would be church together and that we would bear mm-hmm. each other's burdens and joys together. Yeah. And it's okay to be vulnerable as the one who is single and feeling invisible. And it's also okay to be vulnerable as the person who is not, but who is noticing a single person. It doesn't bother me at all if someone asks, how do you actually feel about being single? Or do you want to be married? Or do you want kids? Instead of just assuming that I do or that I don't, it's not something that I mind talking about. And maybe there are people who do and who don't want to talk about it, but you won't know until you ask. So it's okay to be vulnerable and ask the questions. And it's okay to be vulnerable and let other people know how you feel. I don't know. I think at the end of the day, I always come back to whatever your your age, your stage, your relationship status is, come back to you're a child of God and nothing will ever, ever change that and and be content first with that. Be Be proud and joyful that you have that to cling to. And then from there, ask God, what do you have for me next? I think that's what I wake up and try to do most days. A lot of days it's not done perfectly, but every day wake up and say, 
God, thank you that I am yours. Now just show me what you want me to do or what you want me to be the rest of the day. And then forgive me when I fall short of it. Well, hey, that's also another, you know, very good Lutheran thing to do is Luther said in the catechism to wake up each morning, make the sign of the cross, Mm -hmm. say your morning prayer. And at the end of the day, make the sign of the cross and say an evening prayer and Mm -hmm. uh, ask for forgiveness and for the joy to get up in the morning to do it again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Rachel, thanks so much for being my guest today and also my friend for life. Thank you, Stephanie. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review and don't forget to click the follow or subscribe button so you don't miss out on upcoming episodes. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram as Friends for Life LCMS. And finally, listeners, we want to hear from you. Do you have an idea about a guest you'd like to hear from or a topic you want talked about? Email us at friendsforlife at lcms.org. We want to hear from you about what you want to hear about when it comes to issues of life. Thanks for joining us. Friends for Life is a podcast that discusses the life God has given and the people he has called you to serve right where you are in God's mission.